0: Hey, friends, due to some unexpected circumstances this week and a great deal of stress, I have decided to re-release a previous episode instead of doing my normal fourth week episode where I typically focus on navigating different aspects of grief. So one thing I have learned for sure since my mom's passing is the grief that I'm feeling and when I become stressed, that that combo needs to be avoided. So this is an episode, like I said, a re-release. It's from episode 85 and this is one of the top three episodes that was listened to in 2022.
1: I couldn't make the decision to end her life. I kind of at that point I wanted to put it in God's hands, I guess mm-hmm. and so Honestly, I feel like some of the women who do make the decision to terminate, they're, I mean, they're so strong. I just.
0: Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. If you have been with me before, a huge welcome back to you. This podcast is a place, it's a platform where I have been spreading awareness, connecting and supporting those that have experienced the struggles of infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. We talk about feeling alone, isolated, the grief and where to find support. I hold space here where professionals share how they can support you and those that have personally have experienced infertility or loss can share their stories to connect and give support to others. Your healing and happiness is very important to me. My listeners and clients have shared that they feel like they are not sure what to do. Their relationships are hard They're feeling alone and isolated, feeling like no one understands and their needs are not being heard. I hear you, I see you, and we talk about them. We're spreading awareness and giving you a voice. If hope and healing is what you're looking for, you have come to the right place.
1: for having us, and thank you for doing this.
2: This is a much-needed area, and I, we appreciate it. Yeah, yep. you are very happy to be here. Yeah, you are so welcome. Um, I know we were connected by a mutual friend, so I'm so glad that she connected us together, so that I can could hear your story, and then also share your story with so many other people. Like you said, it's a much-needed thing um, to share these stories of loss. Um, and also on the podcast, Infertility. So before we get into your story, I'd like you guys to share each one, whoever wants to go first, each one kind of tell us a little bit about you. Who are you?
3: Sure. So I'll start. Um, I'm Nick Colberg. I am um, born and raised here in the St. Louis area. So with that comes the love of all things St. Louis, uh, you know, Cardinals, Blues, I was fortunate to finish my, both my bachelor's and my master's degree from Mizzou. So again, Ooh. a big Mizzou fan as well. So
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, I work currently in public health here in the local metro area. So it's been a busy couple of years with the
4: yeah
2: Yeah. So,
3: <laughs> so that's been a little bit of a wild ride, but um, other than that, um, you know, love spending time with family like I said, sports, and I'm lucky enough to be dad to two little girls, one of which we'll focus on tonight, and of course, my bride, Sabrina.
4: (laughs) And I'm Sabrina. I'm
1: Nick's wife. I grew up in a small town about an hour outside of St. Louis called Sullivan, Missouri, Um, and so we actually met at Mizzou. I also went to Mizzou, so that's kind of where our story starts, but Currently, um, I am a speech-language pathologist, and I work at Barnes-Jewish Barnes Jewish Hospital here in St. Louis, um, so I feel like we equally have been rather busy the last couple of years with the state of affairs, um, mm-hmm. so I feel like when I'm not having to be on, I like to watch a lot of reality television, which Nick so loves that I do. <laughs> um, I like to drink wine and hang out with my girls and watch reality TV.
2: Awesome. You guys sound super fun. <laughs> <I> well
3: <laughs> we're, ham- we're hamming it up a little bit. We're kind of boring.
1: Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> I mean with a new baby you you try to just do what you can to survive. Yeah. And get some sleep, so <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's true. That's true. So if you can get in some of that sports those sporting events and some of the the e- evenings with wine. You're doing amazing with little. Yes.
4: (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, I would like, like I said before, I would love to hear your, you guys' story and, um, be able to share it, um, with our audience here on labor pain. So if you want to share with us your story of your little girl in heaven, we'd love to hear that.
3: Absolutely. Um, so, I'll start, and I'm sure I'm gonna miss some things, and Sabrina can fill in, but <laughs> okay. um like Sabrina said, we met at Mizzou. we were both in the same major, and um Sabrina stuck with it. We were both studying speech pathology, and my odds were pretty good. There were two guys in a class of about fifty students, so um, <laughs> it worked out okay for me
4: before yeah.
3: I to a different field, but um started dating as we were getting ready to finish up school for grad school and both ended up staying at Mizzou for grad school. Um, and so eventually took the, you know, the steps in our relationship ended up getting engaged at Mizzou after a couple of years being together, got married in Sullivan, her hometown in 2016. And then from there, things were, I would say pretty normal newlyweds, And then um, after a couple of years, we decided to to grow our family from there.
1: Yeah. And I think um, Nick was probably ready to start a family probably way before I was. Um, My sister actually has experience with loss and she lost a baby pretty late in pregnancy. So I think that kind of scared me a little bit. And Mm. um, so, yeah, I think it took me a little bit longer than him to be ready. But so we we spent several years just being married and um, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and so um, we – our daughter Collins, who I mentioned right at the beginning, she was our firstborn. We found out we were pregnant with her in – actually, it was New Year's Eve of 2018, heading into 19, so that was kind of a crazy day. Yeah, so
4: So – So you
2: decided to do a pregnancy test before you went out for New Year's Eve? Is that what happened? Well, (laughs) no. Okay. I'm like, that's kind of (laughs) interesting.
1: No, Nick was upstairs with a stomach bug that night, so I was celebrating solo. (laughs) And we had been trying to get pregnant, and so we were tracking things really closely. And it was right around the time that I think I probably had taken a pregnancy test, you know, days in a row. Um, So, you know, why not? We weren't going anywhere. Nick was sick, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: It was that morning, and then um, from there, um, you know, things moved along pretty normally. All the usual stuff, the ultrasounds, confirming everything was moving along, um, and really, unbeknownst to us, things um, did not really get started the way they should have for some reasons we found out later that maybe we'll get to, but. Mm-hmm. Um, found out we were pregnant New Year's Eve um, started with our doctor and doing all the normal routine procedures and whatnot and things were normal like I said until we got to the 20 week anatomy scan um, and that was on April 30th of 2019 a date that you know you know, we'll never forget but right. so that day we found out um, during the anatomy scan that Collins had a condition called anencephaly and so that's a condition that happens pretty early on in pregnancy and basically just means that her neural tube didn't close and so her brain didn't form normally and so
4: Mm.
3: folks may be familiar maybe maybe not but um, when Zika virus was going around we heard stories of babies with microcephaly and that was smaller brains so this is a similar condition that just essentially means no brain and so beyond her brain stem not much development happened and so the the odds of a successful pregnancy were very low and we were basically told our options were to terminate at that point or to continue on with the expectation that she could pass at really at any time or the best case is we would get to delivery and she would live maybe a few minutes, a few hours, best case scenario, maybe a day or two. Um, so that's where things change course a little bit and yeah had to take some different steps from there.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember thinking, I really we went into, I just kind of felt uneasy the whole, you know, days before the anatomy scan. I, and I couldn't put my finger on it, obviously, because we didn't know, but I just kind of had this feeling that something was off, you know, and you have people over and over tell you, Oh, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's just nerves. Um, And I remember getting in there and I wanted a girl so bad, you know, I wanted Mm. to be able to put bows on her and dresses, Mm. you know, all the (laughs) the normal mom
4: stuff.
1: Um, That was the first thing that they saw. And so we knew right away it's a girl and we were just so excited, so happy. And then it just so quickly switched Um, the ultrasound tech. You could just, it on her face that she moved to the head next and um, she just was searching the same spot over and over and then she told us well I need to go get my supervisor I don't even remember what word she said Um, and at that point we we looked at each other and we're like oh no Mm you know we knew something was really wrong Um, and so then a little bit after that she came in she also um, worked around on, on the head area for a while and then she actually asked us you know if we had traveled for the zika purposes um and so at that point i think we both kind of knew because we knew with zika what that meant you know in terms of like brain development sure um sometimes so and then she went and got our doctor and our doctor came in and confirmed the condition and i remember getting just so much information all at once thrown at you you know you're told your child has this condition your child's not going to survive and then you are told and you have these two options. You can continue to carry or you can terminate. But if you terminate, here in the state of Missouri, you have to do it by this point. I think, what was it, 23 weeks? So, um, yeah, so it's just like all of this was thrown at us. I don't even really remember comprehending very much, and I just remember crying the whole way home. Um, And so I think that was kind of, those next few weeks were the toughest part, I think, for me. Um, just trying to figure out, like, what in the world do we do? Because it's like, I've, here i I've felt her kick how long. And, you know, we knew we're having a girl. And all these excitements were just taken away as fast as they came on. So um, it was a lot of, fortunately, I was able to take a couple weeks off of work. Um, so my heart goes out to women who don't have that luxury. But, mm. um, and we just kind of took those two weeks and we prayed and we just tried to figure out, you know, what do we want to do from here? Um, And so, yeah, I just remember that part of our story was just kind of like, I just kind of felt like we were in this, I don't know, this bubble where we just couldn't, we didn't want to go do anything and we were just like constantly, this was on our mind because we had to make these decisions and so it was just kind of awful.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that both of you were just numb. like.
1: Yes, numb is a great word.
2: Like not even able to really... I'm sure, just process it all, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a lot to be, um, to deal with, you know, I, my heart, you know, goes out to you and my heart goes out to all of those that, and it seems, you know, to happen when, if it's going to happen at that 20 week anatomy scan. Um, And it's, to me, it's just so devastating, you know, all of those weeks and those dreams and those you mm-hmm. know, desires are are just turned upside down so quickly, so quickly. Yeah.
3: Right. It went from where are we going to send this kid to daycare to yeah. you know what are we going to do uh, over the next twenty weeks. Yeah. But um, and that's one thing too. I I like to highlight too is um, sometimes uh, eventually we decided that we were going to carry um, and just okay. um you know, do the best we could spend as much time with her. But that's one thing too, that I, I like to make clear to people is that, you know, we're not heroes for doing that because we definitely had times where the decision we thought we were going to make was to terminate and to what we thought, you know, at that moment, like the easier way out would just be to like end this, not put ourselves through the misery of knowing that things are not going to,
4: mm-hmm. you know, she's
3: not going to survive long. So we definitely had those moments where that was our path for us. And so I hope people that either know people that and we took that other route or they themselves took that route, don't feel like they did something wrong or made Not the wrong all. decision because, you know, every, everything's different. So. I
1: think I was kind of selfish sometimes in the decision we made because I, honestly, I just couldn't make the decision and I couldn't, I couldn't make the decision to end her life. I kind of, at that point, I wanted to put it in God's hands, I guess. Mm -hmm. And So honestly, I feel like some of the women who do make the decision to terminate, they're, I mean, they're so strong. I just, like I said, I think it was just kind of, I can't, I can't do this. I can't make this decision. So we're just going to write it out and put it Mm -hmm. in God's hands. And that's kind of what the basis was for our, um, and hope for the best, Hope hope to get some time with her. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, and I think either decision, you know, is is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had women with both decisions previously on the podcast. Um and it's it is just hard. There is nothing easy about either decision. I'm I love that you pointed out that you did get the opportunity to be to have a couple weeks to really mm-hmm. um Pray about it and decide that those had to have been very difficult weeks. They were pretty excruciating. Um, Mm -hmm. And I
1: will say Nick was very good about, you know, he knew I was going to, if we decided to carry, I was going to have to be the one to go to work and still be pregnant Mm -hmm. and have the people constantly, you know, being excited for me. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think he wanted to kind of put it in my court because he didn't want to put pressure on me to have to go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that kind of tore me up more though, because then it was like, oh, this is kind of on me. Um, but I my sister bought me a book, and um, I'll mention it just in case anybody else um, is in our situation and at the perfect time needs to read it. But um, it's called I Will Carry You by Angie Smith, um, and it was very empowering. It's a very spiritual book, um, but it's about a mom who also got a um, a Child who with um, a terminal diagnosis, and it was her story that she decided to carry, and it was kind of um, just what she went through, and it was very empowering. So, if there's anybody on the fence out there, um, I would really highly recommend that book because it was it was great. It made me feel like I because I, I think in my gut I wanted to, but I just didn't know that I, if I was strong enough to do it.
2: And
4: mm-hmm.
1: that book told me, yes, you are. So,
2: give
4: me some reassurance.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Now, how did your sister come across the book?
1: Um, So she had had a friend who had also lost a baby. So I have two sisters. I have a sister who lost a baby and then an older sister um, who doesn't have children. But it was her friend who had lost a baby. And I think she had recommended that book. And so my sister just sent it to me. And, yeah, um, lots of time spent out on the porch swing reading that book. And, um, yeah, it was that's kind of what I did those
2: two weeks to, to try yeah. to figure it out. So you decided to carry, you know, as long as, as God would allow, sounds like. Um, and how, a I, I, couple of different questions. So how did you handle those weeks that you were still able to carry with coworkers? You know, that had to, even, even complete strangers, you know, I would think. Um, They may have saw you in the store or whatever. Yeah. That that had to be very difficult.
1: It was excruciating at times. Um, You know, working in healthcare, I see patients every day who, especially in acute care, you see them once and then they go to rehab. So it's not like somebody you're working with constantly who knows your background and knows what's going on. It's new people every day that I'm coming Mm -hmm. into contact with. And, you know, they're so excited for you. And so I think I just, I don't know, I just prayed for strength every day. And when I would get asked, you know, oh, is this your first? I would say, yeah. And, you know, boy, or girl. I'd say, girl, we're going to name her Collins. And then I usually people, you know, it's kind of small talk. And then usually people would kind of stop talking about it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to new people who didn't know me, I just kind of acted like everything was fine. Because the minute that I, well, one, I feel like it puts people in a weird mm just unleash all of this information to them that when you don't really know them, it just kind of makes everything awkward. They don't know what to say. So for for people that I didn't know, I just kind of pretended like everything was fine, small talk. And then um, I was really lucky to have some amazing coworkers who cried with me. Oh gosh, I cried so much in our office. Um, I'd be writing notes and I would just break down and start crying. And I just had a lot of really awesome coworkers who were, they were there for me and um, cried with me, and that was, you know, they didn't even they didn't have to know the right thing to say, but just them crying with me was just
4: so amazing. Yeah.
1: Um, and then yeah. I also had my sister who lost the baby. She was very amazing throughout the whole process too, because she'd been there, she'd been in the trenches, and so she kind mm-hmm.
4: of
1: knew um, how to help guide me. So those were those were my um, yeah
2: great support. Yes. Great support for you. Yeah. So when you got that diagnosis, I want to kind of touch a little bit on the grief. Um, I I would assume, and you I want you to elaborate on this, that almost the grief began, or did it not, and did it begin later?
3: Well, I. I can speak for me and maybe Serena feels differently, but, um, I think it, it, for me, it started right away, but it was just obviously very different Mm -hmm. and it moved through stages as I'm sure it does for everybody. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: So I think initially, at least for me, it was, um, it was the thoughts of things that we knew we wouldn't get to do, Mm. um, kind of what we talked about, you know, things were just kind of, were taken away, if you will. Mm -hmm. you know, the thoughts of packing her up and taking her down to the lake house or, um, Mm I'm sorry, I'm getting
2: That's okay. All the dreams, I'm sure. All of those dreams that you had planned.
3: You know, walking around down the aisle.
4: Yeah.
2: You know,
3: all the taking her to daycare and whatever, hearing her speak and all that stuff. So, initially it was just thoughts of stuff like that. And then as it progressed it it actually got a little better because we were, like Sabrina said, really fortunate to have amazing support and were able to get some perspective from people in our lives about how we could still have some good come out of things. And um, you know, how her life still is valuable and meant something mm-hmm. and, and counted and all those types of things. And then of course after she was delivered and eventually passed, then you, you know, you have Mm -hmm. to somehow process the fact that she's Mm -hmm. not there. And the the thing that always sticks with me is just the drive home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, what just one of the most excruciating things that I I know other families deal with
4: Mm -hmm. to
3: go through this too, is just that feeling of, man, I should be bringing a baby home today and we're not, Mm -hmm. you know.
2: Empty arms. It, yeah.
3: It 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 it's just a roller coaster over time and to some mm-hmm. extent it still is. But
2: Sure. Sure. So I, how long were you able to to carry? Well and
1: to answer your first question there, um I think first. for me it was oh, yeah. I think just complete trauma
2: um mm. after we
1: got the diagnosis because I you know, she Given the neural to you know, she didn't have, she still had a brainstem, so she had reflexive movements, so I was feeling her move, but she didn't move like a normal baby. Like, it, she would go long periods without moving, and then I would feel, you know, pretty sharp movements, and so I think for me, it was every day when those hours passed where she didn't move, it was like, okay, did she pass? Because a lot, a high percentage of these babies pass in utero, and so mm-hmm. for me, it was just a trauma of every day thinking okay today's the day she passed because I'm not feeling her and you know I'm stuck at work 10 hours a day so by the time I would get home and Doppler her we'd hear her heart and we're like it was just kind of reassurance again but then it started over every day like that so I think Mm. for me it was just very traumatizing um more than full-on grief yet um and then I think the full-on grief started after we yeah once we left the hospital without her um mm-hmm. so yeah that was kind of I think I was just in survival mode honestly with you know those next four months with her um but we did get to do some fun things you know we took her to the cardinals game I ate some of my favorite desserts we read her book <laughs> so those as awful as those four months were they you know they were also that was our time with her so it was very special too
2: hmm and and when you're carrying a child, they do react to all of those things? And those are great memories to have. So did she mm-hmm. love your favorite dessert as well?
1: You know, I like to think so.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It was hard. You know, it's hard because she didn't, she wasn't was like a left. normal baby where yeah. it was sweet and then she'd start kicking, you know? So um, yeah. I didn't get those, but I think sure. like, in my heart,
2: she definitely did. I'm sure she did. I'm sure yeah. she
4: did. Yeah. <laughs> But, um,
1: and then to your second question, you asked how long we, um, how far we got. Is, was that your yeah. First question? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. so you said you got to carry for four months.
1: Yeah. And so in the meantime, with all of this happening, our doctor, our first doctor that we had, um, she was amazing, but she was very upfront with us. She had never delivered a baby with anencephaly. Um, all mm-hmm. of her patients who had had it had terminated. And so that was very card um, and actually a, a co-worker that I worked with and our, our bereavement photographer we were put in contact with, both of them recommended, I need to go see this doctor. Like this doctor, you need to go see. So in addition to all the stress of what was going on, it was the stress of meeting a new doctor and figuring out, do we, should we switch doctors? Do we, you know, it was just so many decisions were happening and um, it was just kind of insane. Um, but we ended up meeting this new doctor. He's a high-risk doctor, mm-hmm. lots of experience with neural tube defects, lots of experience. He's delivered babies with anencephaly, um, and we just knew immediately he was where we needed to be. Um, so he kind of helped us figure out, you know, at what point, you know, we want to get to full term because we want her to have the best shot she can to live as long as she can. You know, the more developed she is, the, the better chance we have. Because um, a lot of babies do pass in, um, during delivery as well, if, even if they make it to full term, um, mm-hmm. just the trauma of delivery. So that was another thing we had to think about. Do we want to try to do a regular delivery or do we do a C-section to avoid trauma to her head? Um, so there were just so many questions. And he he was seriously an angel um, just helping mm-hmm. us through all of that. And so we decided we're going to get to full term, which is, which is technically 37 weeks. And then we're going to induce, we're going to try to do it natural um, so that, well, natural with an epidural. I mean, sure. not a C-section. Um, so we're going to try to do that because that's what's best for me and having kids in the future. Um, but if she's in distress at all, then she's perfectly fine with aborting and going straight to a C-section. Unfortunately, wow. we made it to 37 weeks. Um, she, yeah, she made it to 37 wow. weeks. Wow. In, induce, yeah. And the delivery was, so it was 36 hours of oh. labor. Yeah. Um, I think there, I didn't know what was happening during, which I'm glad I didn't. But um, he had talked about how he didn't want to break my water because once my water was broken, there wasn't anything there to um, support her head with the contractions um and so he didn't want you know that to make her pass so i think that's why my delivery or my labor was so long because he was waiting and waiting and waiting didn't want to break my water 36 hours later he came in and so like that had been the plan came in and told me i think we need to break your water and i'm just like
4: what we talked Mm -hmm. about how he didn't
1: want to do this um but trusted him completely so broke my water and right after that it was go time and She made it through delivery and she lived almost eleven hours with us. Yep.
4: Oh
2: wow. Eleven precious hours, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And
4: it was just
1: you know, I don't I wasn't sad at all that day. It was weird. Even though I knew it was gonna happen. I think I had just been in trauma mode for so long. It was just amazing because she was here, all of our close family got to come well, we didn't do We have large families, but we did, like, our immediate families. They all got to come up and see her um, because we didn't want so many people to where we couldn't spend time with her either. Right. Um, Which that was kind of a hard decision not to allow just anyone who wanted to come up. But I'm glad we made that decision because she got to meet, you know, our immediate families, and we also got to spend some precious time with her by ourselves. And it was just – it was an amazing day.
2: Um, I'm so glad that you got that time.
1: Yeah. I think that's That's very important.
2: Yep. yeah 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 so after the 11 hours did you continue to get to spend time with her
3: we did um so we were fortunate enough we delivered at missouri baptist here in st louis and
4: mm-hmm.
3: they have a couple of these devices called cuddle cuts i'm not sure if Mm-hmm. are familiar maybe other i am but
2: bad. others may not be so i'm glad that you said that yeah and, yeah, and explain so, uh, what those are mm-hmm.
3: sure um so for babies who pass away um the normal physiological processes start to happen quickly um you know with the tissues start to break down and whatnot just like any other person would and so a cuddle cot keeps their bodies cool to essentially slow down that progression of, uh, nature, I guess is the right way to say it. And so, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: um, obviously, you know, with a normal baby, um, normal delivery, you get a couple of days to spend in the hospital before you're sent home. And so we were really fortunate that the cuddle cot essentially gave us those two days as if it would have been a normal delivery. And so we spent pretty much, uh, two full days after she was, uh, delivered just holding her. Um, we got the chance to do footprints and take some impressions of her feet and
1: give her, her, first bath. Give
3: her a bath, you know, mm-hmm. to make all these mementos that we were um, inst- um, not instructed, but were, were made to uh, us. Yeah. Right, encourage, that's the right word. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really precious time to sit there. And of course, that's when the grief. Hits home at different moments. Um, but it also gave family, especially like her grandparents and some of our siblings and real immediate family to come back up and hold her maybe for a few more minutes, um, you know, see us, talk to us, all those types of things. So we were extremely fortunate to have that time too.
1: Yeah. And the cuddle mm-hmm. cut, um, we actually knew about, because was my sister, um, and brother-in-law and their experience with loss, they um, were fortunate enough to, or they didn't have the cuddle cot. Um, I don't think they were quite as, common. yeah, I don't think they were quite as common when they um, gave birth to to their daughter. And so they actually did a fundraiser for her first birthday and donated a cuddle cot to a hospital. And now they're a little bit more um, mm-hmm. readily available. So um, we knew about it because of their story. And so I'm just, so thankful that we, yeah, that we had that because, oh, you're never ready um, to let them go.
4: Yeah. That time was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Take your time there. So, yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, you want to spend as much time as you can with them. (laughs) Did the hospital give you a length of time or did they allow you to choose? How long so was, that you to spend with her?
1: Yeah, it was, um, the hospital was amazing. It was based on insurance, Fun. so I guess insurance pays, you know, up to 48 hours after um, a vaginal delivery. So um, they told us we could, you know, use all of that or as little of that as we wanted. Um, yeah, they were, I just cannot, I can't speak highly enough of Missouri Baptist Hospital.
2: That's awesome. Um,
1: you know, that 36 hours that I was in labor they opened up another labor room just for our family to be in while they were waiting mm-hmm. um because we didn't know you know we didn't know what was going to happen we didn't know if she only lived a matter of minutes you know we wanted our family to be right there so um yeah they just opened up another room and our family was in there the whole time and it was just yeah it was pretty amazing pretty special
2: it is amazing that the the hospital was able to do all that for you, yeah, um, such a difficult time. It's so nice when I hear that the staff and everybody really you know do whatever they can. I've had there have been you know bad stories huh? that they yeah. kind of rush um, mm-hmm. people through that and and hurry them along and not allow them to spend the time. Um, but I'm glad that you had, you know, a, a better experience. It's not good. Yeah. It's not a pleasant time at all. But you know, it sounds like there were some, definitely some, some good things. You know, some positive memories. Some some good things that kind of came out of that. Some good memories, even though so much so much sadness.
1: Very much you know? so. And I want to mention too, just for anyone going through this right now. Um, we were put in touch with a bereavement nurse, and mm-hmm. that made our experience, I think, completely different than it could have been. Um, I cannot recommend bereavement nurses enough. They are amazing. Um, she came to our house before delivery, and she told us about things that we could do to bring to the hospital, like the foot molds and different things that we might want to do um, one thing being um, like a canvas, getting a canvas and having everybody that comes to meet her put their thumbprint on the canvas. And we have that Mm -hmm. up in, in our rainbow babies room. So there were just so many special things she prepped us for. Um, She also went through delivery with us because we didn't do uh, a class on that because I just couldn't sit there being Mm -hmm. in a class with all these expectant moms, you know, go through all of that. So, She prepared us for what we were going to be getting into, Um, and then she was my nurse at the hospital, and she just made it amazing. Mm. So if um, anyone is going through that, please call your hospital and just see if bereavement nurses are available because you will um, will not regret it. They're special people.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask, how did you find her? So was it your doctor or?
1: Yeah, um, so our high-risk doctor, you know, I I think, unfortunately, he sees more of these Mm -hmm. not-so-great outcomes. And so, um, yeah, he recommended that we get in contact with with her. Um, And I think they have a pretty special relationship, too. So it just kind of made the process that much better um, because they were on the same team from the get-go. And so, um, yeah, definitely.
2: Wow, that's that's amazing. And you said you had or, um, pictures taken, and I think you did you mention that that was like a bereavement photographer yeah. as well.
1: Yep. So that was also um, our doctor. I think it was our doctor that put us in contact with her as well. Um, and, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. She actually lost a baby as well. His name mm-hmm. was Clark. And, and our bereavement nurse, too. She lost twins. So all of these people just know what you're going through. Um, mm-hmm but she takes pictures pro bono for people like us who are, you know, going through situations like this mm-hmm. um, in memory of her son. So she took our maternity pictures. Um, she came to the hospital, took all of mm-hmm. our um, pictures there for free. And, oh, my gosh, and I've talked to some women who have lost babies, and they didn't necessarily do pictures. No. Um, and mm-hmm. I would I would. Have strongly encourage it because my hard days, I just look back at those pictures and I just feel the happy again. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're, they're pretty great. Yeah. um, But her, if there's anyone in the St. Louis area listening, um, it's captures for Clark um, is the name of the program that she does. Um, So definitely reach out to her. Alex is her name and captures for Clark. Clark was her son.
2: Oh. It is, it is kind of amazing how people that have gone through loss like you guys have and, and like, they have um, – they want to give so much, you know, mm-hmm. to support um, the other families that are enduring so much trauma, yes. so much heartache, um, to just support them in so many ways. I, I I feel very fortunate to like you live in the St. Louis area where we have these hospitals that um you know have these things. You know, mm-hmm. we have big hospitals that um and, and Missouri Baptist isn't the biggest, but they do just have a lot of resources, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say to yeah. help support the families.
1: Yes, I remember thinking, well, because I work at Big Barns and, you know, everyone just assumed, oh, you're going to go to Big Barns. And I was like, no, my doctor's at MOVAB and I'm obsessed with him. I love him. And I also just didn't want to be at work with all of this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I needed to be in a different place, not at work when I was going through this. So Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you want, you know, support, but that's probably not the coworkers and everybody else that knew you to be all kind of you know,
4: yeah, wanted to see
2: Collins they, and all of that. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I don't think, I think they, they, they
2: would have appreciate
1: appreciated it. But just being in that building that I'm in every day, like I sure. just wanted part of my life to be separate, I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, and even, you know, my thought goes to, you know, to lose your, you know, those last minutes with your daughter at a place where you then have to go back to work exactly. over and over and over. Yeah, it,
1: yes,
4: exactly. good choice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So
2: I know you just indicated that there were lots of um, mementos and things that you were able to do. And then were you, after you did all those and you left empty-handed, um, no baby, did you do a service and stuff with Collins?
3: We did. For your uh, family and stuff? We did. Um, mm-hmm. And that was something to just, I guess, another, I guess. I don't know if it's pretty evident or not, but yeah. we were just like so extremely blessed to have yeah. these people yes. that, that you were helped us through this whole thing, but um and continue to do that. But um our church community here um and in Serena's hometown obviously have lots of great people and so we that was part of our counseling, I guess, throughout the process is you know, how do we address this? Is a funeral appropriate, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And of course it was appropriate and so We did a service at a little hometown church in Sullivan, and we just decided to invite anybody that wanted to come. Of course, with no pressure to make the trip out there, but um, we were, that was another just amazing day, as Mm -hmm. terrible as it was. Just, um, you know, we had a full church. We were, Connected with the funeral home in town there that donated their services yeah. to help us through. all it. of it. You know, so um, lots of close friends and family and family friends were there to support us that day. So we were there and got to talk about her a little bit, honor her life, and um, leave people with the notion that the story doesn't stop there, that we were going to continue talking about her and making sure that, um, we could hopefully, you know, support some families the way people supported us. Yeah. I think that was kind of our goal with that whole thing. Well, yeah. and I
1: think it was important too. I mean, with so many people not being able to come up to the hospital, none of our friends, we did, you know, we didn't invite our friends up. We didn't invite extended family up. Um, so that was their way to get to meet her um, mm-hmm. in a way. So I yeah. think it was it was for us, but I think it was also for for others as well to get to kind of meet her and say goodbye all at the same time
2: yeah yeah i i just sent so much love there during that time you know shared with those family and friends with you
4: yes. absolutely yeah.
2: very appropriate yes and one, so, one,
3: Oh, sorry go ahead no nope, go
2: ahead no you go
3: So I think the last thing I was just going to say on that note, I guess, is the other positive I think that we saw by doing that and allowing people in to help us along was that we realized that so many people out there that we know have gone through, you know, either a miscarriage or fertility issues or whatever it might be that of course still has stigma around it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's just, I don't know, solidified it even more that we need to talk about this stuff and not make it such an icky topic. And, you know, by doing things like her funeral and mementos and different things in her memory, um, we get to do that. So that was mm-hmm. one thing I realized, just how prevalent this kind of
4: stuff is.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I guess it just opened the door. There were people that we've known our whole lives and didn't know – some of the loss that they had experienced until we did. And we started talking about it. And then I think it was more of a form of trying to support us and be like, yes, we, you know, we've been here. And um, so, yeah, it definitely by us talking about it. it, I think it opened it up for others to talk about it who were close to us and had gone through something um, Mm -hmm. similar.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you. It does need to be talked about. Of course, um, that's why I do the podcast, so that people can share their stories and, and open those lines of communication, because exactly what you said, there's been a lot of instances where people have had some sort of loss or are struggling with infertility, and they don't feel comfortable talking about it, and it's really because of the people surrounding them, um, and and it's shifting, um, but I think a, a lot more shift needs to happen. I, mm-hmm. I hear all the time that, um, I previously worked at a funeral home for 15 years and over and over, you know, somebody in the family, somebody has passed and they'll talk about, you know, a baby or whatever that had been lost and the rest of the family had no idea, mm-hmm. you know, so I can remember hearing that. Um, so yeah, it's just not years ago, especially just not talked about, So mm-hmm. So yeah. So you talked about um, all the mementos and things and ways to honor her. How are you honoring her, or or have you been? I'm sure you have in some way. Um, Some people start, you know, nonprofits right away. Sometimes they wait ten years and they start a nonprofit. Sometimes they do a book donation. There's many things that people can do um, to continue to honor. Uh, their baby and i was just curious if you guys have done anything yet i mean this yeah. is just been you know a short time for you yeah
1: i'm so glad you asked that because we love talking about that um my sister actually every year they do um they donate diapers to like a um what
3: type this of local diaper bank
1: yeah for, like for families who you know don't have the means um, so they did that and we thought that was very cool. We loved that. And so, um, we decided on her first birthday and every birthday after that, we wanted to do, um, something to honor her while also doing good in the world. Um, so I'll let Nick talk about a couple. She's, she's two. So we've gotten to do two birthday celebrations, but. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Yeah. So we haven't formally started a nonprofit or anything at this point. I think that's mm-hmm. maybe possible in the future, but, yeah. um, I am also a member of a Rotary Club here, and so we got hooked up with an organization called World Pediatric Project, which for anybody that doesn't know what they do, that's an awesome organization to go check out. Um, But they had a neonatal care program that they were trying to get some funds together for and to essentially help doctors care for babies with tough diagnoses in um, the Caribbean specifically. But so it just kind of, by happenstance, was a good fit. And so for her first birthday, we decided to try to raise some money, and we figured who knows what we'll get, but every little bit counts. So she was born on August 23rd, and so our goal was to raise $2,300. And just, again, if we got that, awesome. If we got 200 bucks, then so be it. But one more example of all the people and just so many blessings around us, I think we were – able to raise over $11,000 and wow. so yeah it was just
4: just from Facebook
3: just, just from,
1: sharing our video and our story on Facebook right mm. family
3: friends people that already knew what uh, World Pediatric, Pediatric Project was all about so that was pretty amazing and so that that project is actually ongoing this year so that's what we did for her first birthday
1: Yeah, and um, we were able to get a sweet video from um, one of the hospitals that the money was donated to, um, because World Pediatric Project they will they invest in you know bringing doctors from is it just from the St. Louis area or or, okay so from the U.S. um, sending doctors experts over to train doctors over there and sending equipment um, life saving equipment that some of these countries don't have um, access to so in Collins and losing Collins you know who knows how many babies we saved
4: just by yeah. donating that money
1: um, and we got a very sweet video from them um, thanking us and it just I don't know I just made it so sweet
3: right and,
1: yeah.
3: and again I hope it doesn't sound like we're like we saved all these babies we like to think of it as Collins is yes. somehow saving these
1: her, babies her existence but, is saving these right. babies yeah. um
3: so then for her second birthday, we uh, partnered up with Children's Hospital here in St. Louis and did a book drive. And, um, again, we're just really blessed with people that chipped in a single book or chipped in 10 books. And um, so we were able to donate a nice truckload of books for kids that are there receiving treatment in the ho- in the hospital uh, while they're there and then um, to take home with them as well. So where our goal really going forward is just each year to try to do something, whatever it might be, to mm-hmm. do a little bit of good. Um, and particularly I think trying to help kids and families in some way. So we'll see what that means for the future, but it really does feel good each year to, um, do that. And then I think again, the, for me, the real side bonus of it is being able to tell her story and talk about her a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and again, raise that awareness that we know is so important,
1: yeah, keeping her memory very much alive, so again, I think it's more of a selfish thing sometimes that we're doing because we get to talk about her and celebrate her, and all while helping others too, but yeah mm-hmm. there's there's some selfishness in there for sure,
2: that's okay, that's quite all right, and and always continue for sure, you know to share her her story. Um, I've had people on the podcast that, you know, 18 years, 30 years with one lady and, you know, still celebrating with birthday cakes or Mm -hmm. a a gal that actually, um, her daughter Gracie would have been 18 earlier this week, I think on Thursday, and um, she would have been going to prom. And so Mm -hmm. that's what the mom's plan was to to reach out to the school to see if she could help with some other girl um, with prom expenses. Oh, so well, just that's con- yeah, just continuing those things. Yeah. Just so important, so mm-hmm. important to do that. Um, for sure. So I would encourage you to just continue to do that, you know, continue to do that for sure. And okay. so I want to – I. From the beginning, we talked about you had two daughters. So mm-hmm. share with us. Share with us about your other daughter a little bit. Yeah. So we. I mean, um, it probably took a little while, I'm sure.
4: To, well, so to we decide. were. First,
1: well, we actually, <laughs> I don't know. We, we wanted to try again as soon as we could. Okay. Um,
4: okay.
1: I think some of that, you know, we had some things, some hand-me-down baby things, so we kind of had a room started, and just seeing that room every day empty, I think it just kind of tore me up, and I also had friends going through um, pregnancies, you know, who were pregnant, and it just, like, I just wanted that so badly, um, so I don't know if it was smart to do it right away or not, but we um, were encouraged to wait a little bit for my body to heal, obviously. Um, and then took the lead of our amazing doctor, who I'm obsessed with. Um, and he was with us every step of the way, um, Had a tested me and Nick, had a plan going forward, um, how to not allow this to happen again. Um, and so it was the most anxiety-driven nine months of my life. Oh. <laughs> I was so anxious the whole time. We were even lucky to get ultrasounds every two weeks. Um, just to say everything's fine, everything, just to reassure me, I think it was most of the time. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, I don't know. I I almost wish I could have enjoyed her pregnancy a little bit more, but we, we got there. She was perfect and her name is Maya and she is our rainbow baby. And we actually just celebrated her first birthday um, in February.
2: Oh yeah. Well, and I've heard that from a lot of women, that um that pregnancy after a loss is very hard very um, to disconnect to the baby you know to mm-hmm. to um it, just to love that that child because the heartache that you've already endured um and so what you're what you said um i think it is is pretty common I guess is what I'm trying to say that Mm -hmm. it's hard to connect um, and to enjoy the pregnancy because the anxiety and everything that goes along with um, Mm -hmm. and those points I'm sure that 20 week anatomy scan was oh my gosh torture
1: oh it was I just like I don't think I breathed the whole time (laughs) I think I was just
4: like
1: yeah I think that was kind of an out of body experience but I also think Um, it was helpful. I had several, well, my sister, and then I had a couple of close friends who had experienced loss and I think they did a good job of making my mindset more of this pregnancy and this baby is not going to replace Collins. Um, -hmm. she is going to be, you know, just she's going to be our rainbow and she's going to be, um, yeah, she's she's not going to replace her. She's gonna be her little sister and mm-hmm. Collins is gonna be with her every step of the way through the pregnancy to help us get her here. So I think it was kind of um I don't know, I think it was just like a mindset shift of yeah, she's not she's not replacing her. She we're just expanding our family and Collins mm-hmm. would want us to do that. So
2: Yeah. Yeah. They never replaced no for sure. For sure. And will you tell Maya about Collins? Will she be talked about oh, yes. oh, all yes. the time? We
1: already tell her all about her. And um, okay. we've got a little um, shelf in Maya's room that has a picture of Collins and the seat mold that we did. And so there's some things in Maya's room that, um, yeah, that pay tribute to Collins. And um, it's kind of Fun to see. Sometimes, you know, before we put her to bed, she'll look over at the picture and she's kind of pointing now at things. I I know she's just randomly pointing at things, but it's very <laughs> sweet when she points at Collins's picture. We're like, "Yeah, that's big sister." And um, so yeah, I think yeah, um, yeah, we want her to know her as 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 we do.
4: So mm-hmm. that's awesome.
2: What a beautiful ending, oh, too. <laughs> to a to a very difficult journey that you guys have had. Yeah. So I'm assuming because you went ahead with a pregnancy right away, and I know you guys said that this happened very early on, just kind of a fluke thing, if I mm-hmm. remember when we talked. Um. So, um, that was probably very reassuring to to go ahead right away, because yeah, are those just fluke kind of things? And and we previously talked and you know you know that I have a grandson and you we've had several of those things those fluke kind of things in our family so they do happen they're not easy to deal with but
1: yeah and it is um definitely it's a sporadic thing there can be some genetic things to it as well which Nick and I were both um we both have something that because what it is is um there's not an it's a folate issue or a folic acid issue sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we were fortunate enough to have a doctor who understood all of that and knew, you know, he put me on lots of, I was taking steroid amounts of folic acid. And
4: Mm. um, so
1: there were definitely things that he did to make us feel better because he, it could have very well been a sporadic thing, but it could have also been a genetic component too. And so um, I just definitely encourage everyone to um, force, you know, starting to try to get pregnant, definitely talk to doctors about, you know, what's in your family, just so that you can kind of be a little bit prepared. Um, You can't play the what is game, but I I often think, well, what if we would have looked into this a little bit more, you know, could we have prevented this, but there's no way to know that. But um, yeah, just definitely being with a doctor who knew the conditions, in and out, um, and what to do to make our chances as low as possible that it would happen again um, was a little reassuring in the anxiety yeah. of the pregnancy. So, yeah,
2: a little reassuring. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that a little, a little.
1: It definitely was, but it you know it didn't make the yeah. anxiety go away by me. Yeah, by
2: means. yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else that you guys can think of that would be real important for the listeners? to know about your story, um, and if if not, um, um, if you want to share some words of advice or encouragement, you just shared a couple of things there, which I think are very, very important, um, but anything else that you'd like to share?
3: I guess I'll go first. One organization, okay. too, that I, I wanted us to just highlight that also sure. gave us some support um, pretty early on after we got the diagnosis Catherine Cares is a group here. I think they mostly operate within the St. Louis area, but um, for, again, families that might receive some kind of life threatening diagnosis, they provide heartbeat bears to, uh, I think, pretty much mm. all the, the hospitals here in the area. Um, and they also help families. They gave us
4: gift some cards, gift
3: cards yeah. for meals and, you know, gas cards and some things. So things that don't necessarily seem that important but I can assure you at that time when you know food is the last thing on your mind when you've got a $20 gift card to emos or something it, it makes mm-hmm. things that much more tolerable so they're a group that continues to expand and do some good work here in the area so we, definitely check them out and,
1: yeah we love our heartbeat there we we that's our representation of Collins and all of our family pictures and so and we get to hear a heartbeat whenever we want so it's mm. a very special
3: thing. Yeah. thing. and that's um, in memory of their daughter Catherine
4: mm-hmm.
3: who um, I forget the diagnosis she had but again passed I think in utero so um, yeah. again just one other organization I think in terms of advice I don't know that I necessarily have any answers I think the one thing I just try to keep telling myself and anybody else that asks about our family, um, you know, when somebody says, Oh, you have kids? I say, yep, I have two daughters. Um, and if it goes beyond that, you know, explaining one's in heaven and, you know, Maya's a rainbow baby that is a year old, et cetera. And so really just to I, Sabrina said it earlier, sometimes, it can be a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation. And sometimes I I feel like that gets put on the family that has had the loss. And so Mm -hmm. I think my advice would just be to don't worry about making someone else uncomfortable. Um, This is your life and that's your child that deserves to be talked about. And like I said earlier, you know, their life counts and all that stuff. So don't ever be scared to, Mention them when you're talking about your family, I think, would be number one. And then two is just, yes, it it really sucks. I mean,
4: mm.
3: it sucks. But just hold on as long as you can and just know that it might take a year. It might take six months. For different people, it might take multiple years. But there is good that can come out of a bad situation. And, you know, we talked about some things we've tried to do to honor people or honor collins and other people that have have done similar things so there are no shortage of ways to try Mm -hmm. to make some good come out of a bad situation as um as impossible as that might seem in the moment when things get turned upside down but just to keep some hope and keep some faith and i don't know if necessarily our contact information will go out with this podcast Teresa, but if we can be a resource for anybody, not that we have all the answers, not that we're the experts, but I want people to know, too, that there are people like us, and the, the Lost community is not one that we would ever choose to be a part of, but it is one that takes care of each other, and there are lots of people out there that will support you if you need it. So I just want people to know that.
2: Mm-hmm. We 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 will make sure that people can um still get in contact with me and I'll connect them with you. But yeah, that is very important. And I'm glad that you offered that. Because just like you had support, um, you want to give that support on to other people and, and absolutely obviously in you guys' case that was so helpful for you to have that support, um, to guide you through a lot of that Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and I think um mentioning to Facebook support groups are Mm. can be very amazing I looked up on Facebook some anencephaly support groups and just being able to connect with women who have gone through your exact situation um is very helpful Um, I remember having conversations about organ donation and just lots of different things Mm. that some families I mean, it doesn't even cross their mind, you know, um, and it was something that hadn't crossed my mind until I came across it on these Facebook groups. So um, we also got some amazing like care packages from some of these organizations that we used at the hospital that were amazing. So I definitely um, look into some Facebook support groups. I will caution, sometimes they can be a bit overwhelming. Um, so there were times where I had to step back and not repost because I was you know having bad days but they, mm-hmm. they were very helpful too um, lots of lots of families who want to help and so um, and they can put you in contact with local um, organizations too that can help so definitely check those out um, and I think one of the biggest things I learned um, was that Greece can look very different for even just Nick and I um, we both yes, we both lost Collins, we both lost a daughter, but the path that we went through was very different. Um, And I think it was hard for me to understand that at first. I mean, I was crying all the time and Nick wasn't. I mean, he cried, yes, but he wasn't crying all the time like I was. And and sometimes it made me feel like, why is he not crying? Why is he not so upset? And I think, you know, I read some books and I talked to some people and I think sometimes the husbands go into survival mode too a little bit. They want to take care of you and make sure you're okay mm-hmm. because, I mean, you're the one who, your hormones are going crazy. You're the one who carried the baby. You know, you're the one who body went through everything. So the trauma is just very different. Um, and so it's okay if your husband's not sitting there crying with you every night because I think they need to sometimes be the strong one. For a little bit and I think we just grieve differently too so um, that was kind of a wake-up call for me at first too um, just knowing that yeah grief is very different for for people and especially I think for men versus women in this situation mm-hmm. um, and I think my biggest advice is just prayer um, God really guided us the whole time and I'm so thankful everyone who prayed for us through throughout Mm. the process and so i don't think you're ever going to some people say time heals and i don't think that's true Mm. i
4: think Mm -mm.
1: i think this giant hole is going to be in my heart forever but i think you know god makes you stronger to deal with the hole the pain um but i don't think it ever heals so as you can see i've gotten emotional how many times tonight i mean it's just we just
2: miss her yeah well, and I'm glad that you said all of those things, so beneficial, um, the organ donation. I didn't really think about that, but um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that, and very much so. Everyone's grief is different. Mm-hmm. Grief with each person is un- is as unique as that person. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all different, and we're all going to grieve differently at different, different ways at different times. Um, And you're right. The guys kind of want to support and, and, and their family, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's just what they want to do. And, and, and I won't speak for Nick, but I have heard from, from men, say they do um, cry. They're very emotional, but they do it in, in their space at their time. Yeah, um, and I think that was probably very beneficial that you said yeah. that, because I
1: know that happened, too, because yeah. sometimes I would hear it, but, um, yeah, because yeah, I was already bawling, let's not throw another. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, and I love, too, that you said time, you know, the same time heals, um, and grief will be with you, of Collins, grief will be with you for the rest of your life, you know, Um I do know that it is good to say that, you know, that saying, because that's what our society says. That's what we've been kind of told. And so that people know that if you're not um, feeling better, you're not crazy.
4: No, not
2: at all. We need to get rid of that, you know, time will heal, it's going to get better. The, The timing between when that grief hits will distance a little bit mm-hmm. but when it hits you it it's going to hit you know mm-hmm. and it's still even strong for most people years down it's yep. just not as often you know
4: um, exactly but it's our, still
2: strong it's that, yeah, that's that's yep, for sure i
1: will never forget our bereavement photographer she's very um she posts pictures on Facebook and talks about her son Clark all the time and she wrote a post one time and it was so true. I mean, this is years, you know, years mm-hmm. out. Sometimes grief is like a wave, you know. One mm-hmm. day the water doesn't reach you, you're doing good. The next day it a wave completely knocks you out and, and this happens, you know, years later too. So um,
2: Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So that in itself I think is so important that people share that grief with others, you know, so that everybody doesn't feel like they're crazy for, nope. for not getting over it or getting past it or whatever, you know, people might yep. say to you, um, you're not crazy. No, nope, not at all. For sure. So I appreciate both of you so much. Um, you know, it was, it was difficult, but I appreciate you both coming on and sharing with the audience today um, to help those other families um, on their journeys. And I, you just gave so much great information um, to help them um, on their journey. And I think the biggest takeaway uh, was with you guys, what you said over and over is the support that you mm-hmm. received, the right doctor so that he could get you the support that you needed as you went through this.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: and we want to thank you again for what you're doing you to, like. get, to get the word out and to talk about this and to reduce the stigma. You are doing some amazing things and you're helping people too by doing this. So we really appreciate being a part of it.
0: If you have enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please consider sharing it. And if you do share it, on social media tag me so that I can personally thank you because I really do appreciate uh, you sharing it and this really is the best way that we can connect and support others on this journey and also if you can take a minute and write a review or comment on this episode or ask a question those are the ways that I can continue to create valuable and supportive content for you and the other listeners. And of course, if you have not yet connected with me, I would love for you to find me on social media. On Facebook, you can find me at Teresa Reiniger. On Instagram, Teresa Reiniger, and on both Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Living After Grief. If you need support and are feeling alone on your journey, I am here to support you. I am looking forward to being with you again next week. So continue to share your story to help others feel inspired and to give them hope on their journey. Until next week, have a peaceful and blessed week.